Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to continue our study of the Prophet Zechariah, the Navi Zechariah, Perak Bet, that's chapter 2. <clears throat> we just completed chapter 1 with the a vision that Zechariah had in which he saw the, um, the uh, uh, man on a horse and the horses that represented the Persian kingdom's uh, the way we explained it, the, the eyes, the spies of the Persian kingdom, and how the people in this time period who were living in Judah, they were poor, they were destitute, there was drought, and they had just built a really, you know, s- small, sad building, and, and a, a bare bones second temple was just put together. The people were very disappointed at they were hoping for something grand, something wonderful, a kingdom, and so on. And meanwhile, they're living under the thumb of the Persian Empire. So it was a depressing time, but a time when the prophets were encouraging the people to be hopeful. Don't worry, if you put in your part, God will restore the grandeur and greatness that we are hoping for and looking for. But it's up to us, the key message of chapter 1, and we're going to see this again in this chapter and in further chapters. The key message is, is that it's up to us, it's up to the people to bring it about, to set up a situation where God will then do his part. So so he's continuing in this vision after hearing those good words that God will that's how he ended the first chapter. He will once again choose Jerusalem. We just need to do our part. So and I raised my hand. I'm still in this dream. Zechariah tells us and I see before me there's four horns what are these horns? So I said to the angel who is speaking with me, remember he's accompanied this whole time by this angel who's explaining to him the visions, what he's seeing. And the angel tells to me, These are the horns that have spread Yehuda at Yisrael and Israel of Yerushalayim and Jerusalem that have spread them across the world, that have attacked them and crushed them. These horns are representative of the horns of war. There are many, many different interpretations of this and many of the commentaries. Over here I'm going to choose Rashi and Evan Ezra. The four four corners, the four corners, Kiranos also means corners, directions. We have the Karnot Hamidbeach, the, the four corners of the altar. A Karen, four horns, represents horns of attack coming from all directions. If we remember when Assyria attacked the northern kingdom of Israel, which was mentioned here in verse 2, and when Babylon attacked Judah, they had allies from all of the countries around them. We've, we read about those in many of the prophets that we read, including Ezekiel, who we just finished studying. They attacked from four directions and spread the Jewish people, the people of Israel, and then uh, several generations later, the people of Judah with the ultimate destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, they spread them across the world. Those are the four horns that you're seeing. But then God showed me four carpenters. Carpenters are builders. And I said, what are these carpenters coming to do? What are these builders coming to do? Presumably he said this to the angel standing next to him. What are they doing? Why are the builders here? Now remember when Babylon, the first exile that Nebuchadnezzar, when he first attacked Jerusalem, he sent the first exile and he left the temple intact and left a vassal king there. He took out the Cheresh and the Masker. He took out the carpenters and the craftsmen and brought them with him to Babylon. 
And these carpenters are now returning. Those carpenters that were taken in the beginning, beginning, beginning of the exile. He took the carpenters away because Nebuchadnezzar knew, knew the secret of the people, the secret of the success of Judea are its builders. The people that build, the people that build buildings, build houses, that's the secret. But now they're coming back. So Zechariah asks the, the angel, what are they coming to do? By Yomer, and he said, Lemar as follows, Elah Kranos, those horns that you saw, those were the horns Asher Zeru at Yehuda. They were the horns that scattered Judah across the earth. It's so awful and had such a destruction of Judah, Kifi Ishlo to the extent that even a man, even a person of pride, was no longer able to lift his head with pride. They were so ashamed, so downtrodden. That's what those horns did. However, these carpenters are coming to give fear to the attackers. To, 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 um, why does a carpenter give fear to an attacker? Because the attacker knows when the builders come. Because the attackers know that when the Jews get themselves together and start to build a temple and start to build what God asked them to build, that there will be no longer any hope for those that try to destroy them. When the carpenters come, when people come to build the land, to build Israel, to build Jerusalem, to build the temple, that strikes fear in the hearts of those that just want to destroy. They are coming to take down and destroy those horns of those nations. Which nations? The nations that carry horns of attack. El Eretz Yehuda towards the land of Judah, Lazaro saw in order to scatter the people around. Those horns of destruction see fear when they see the Harashim, the builders, come. Let's read verse 5. Let's continue. And then I lifted my eyes, and again, I saw another vision. And behold, there was a man. And in his hand he had a measuring line. Now, measuring lines could mean lots of things. Omar, and I said to this man, where are you going with that measuring line? What are you doing? What are you measuring? Sometimes people measure in order to plan destruction. Sometimes people measure in order to plan building. Zechariah is very nervous. He's very worried. Remember, the prophet is living amongst the people that they don't know. Are the Persians going to come and destroy this at any minute? Are the other nations that live among us, are they going to come destroy this at any minute? As we know, they certainly tried. Or is our endeavor going to be given blessings by God so that we can build and build and build and make something beautiful? So what is this person doing with this measuring line? Where are you going with that measuring line? And he said to me, I am going to measure the city of Jerusalem. To see how wide it is and how long it is. I need to find out the measurements of the city. Is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. Zechariah is still nervous. He's still worried. Is this a good? Does this mean that Jerusalem is going to be tiny and small? That's this is it? Just this width? Or is he coming to measure so that he can plan buildings and he can plan growth? Vihine, and when you're standing at the precipice, this is very reminds one of the of the image of Jacob when he was chased back in Genesis, chased away by his brother Esau because he had stole, he had taken the blessings of the father. And he was running away to his uncle Lavan out in, in a different land, in a different place. And he put his head down to sleep. And he saw angels coming and angels going. He was at a precipice. He was at a point of his life where, I don't know where this is going. Is this going to something good? 
Or is this going to something bad? Am I running away? And am I going to, is this going to be the seeds of my salvation and my growth? Or is this the end? In verse 7, that angel that was standing next to me, that angel, he was leaving, he was going. And Zechariah is worried. The, the angel is worried. Where is he going? In Malach Acher. However, another angel was Yotzei Lekoso coming to greet him. It's unclear if this other angel that was coming to greet, the angel that was leaving, is the angel, is the same one who was carrying the measuring line, or if it's another person who's just here to explain what's going on with this measuring. But either way, the angel is going and another angel is coming. There is a transition point here, transition from exile to rebuilding. But Zechariah doesn't know yet that that's what it is until, because he's worried. So therefore, Vayomer Elav, he said to him, this is verse 8, who said to who? Presumably, it is the angel who was leaving, says to the angel coming, saying, hey, Ruth, go run, quick, quick, quick. I just left the side of, of Zechariah, of the prophet. I just left his side. I was encouraging him. I was giving him words of encouragement, but it's time for me to leave. It's time for someone new, someone new who represents the building, who represents the future. Roots run, go talk to that child, that young man. Go talk to that young man. That Zechariah, that prophet, who he's calling the prophet a young man because, because he's young, he's unsure of himself. He doesn't know what he's seeing. He needs encouragement. Tell him, don't worry. Jerusalem is not going to be small, just measured by its width and its length. It's not just going to be a small, tiny city, but rather it's going to expand. It's going to be settled. It's going to be settled by cities that are going to, and, and towns and neighborhoods that are going to grow and grow. Because there's going to be so many people and so much livestock within the city. Don't worry. Jerusalem is going to grow. He's measuring. He's not measuring to destroy. And those charashim, those carpenters are not are, are, are here not to build weapons, but they're here to build houses, homes, neighborhoods, streets, uh, places for livestock, fields, fences. Vani and I, says God, I am going to be for Jerusalem, says God himself. I am going to be a wall of fire that surrounds Jerusalem to protect it. I am going to protect it from enemies. And I will be within it as an honor for the city of Jerusalem. I am going to reside in that temple that you're building. Don't worry. I'm going to protect you from your enemies. This is is the sign of God protecting us from things that are outside of us. And then secondly, and more importantly, I'm also going to be in honor inside of you. This is something each of us should remember as a person. God is here to protect us from the outside enemies, but he's also here to be an honor within us, to be something that gives us true honor. What is true honor when we have and know God inside us? Now that Zechariah knows this, now he can turn his eyes and his attention towards the Jews around the world. Remember, only a small proportion of them actually came back to Judea. Most Jews were still in exile. Most were still scattered throughout the Persian kingdom. We see the book of Esther occurred probably about 30 or 40 years after the, this, this prophecy of Zechariah, after the second temple was being built. And it seems that the center of Jewish life was still outside Israel, outside Jerusalem. So Zechariah now turns his attention and says, um, and, and repeats the words of God as follows, Hoy, hoy, everybody, attention, attention. 
I want you to run from those northern lands. Eretz Tafon almost always. We saw this in Jeremiah and other places. Eretz Tafon, the northern land, refers to Babylon. That, 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 and generally when Jerusalem is attacked, it's attacked from the north, which is still true to this day. So it always would seem that enemies always approach from the north. So run from those northern lands where you're scattered. No, Madonai. This is what God says, and this is what the prophet is telling the people. Listen up. Because I know that I peirasti eschem. I have I have spread you out all over those lands of the north, all over the kingdom of Babylon, and now the kingdom of Persia, as if I was spreading you out to the four directions of heaven, to the four corners of the earth, no matter what I so says God. But hoi tzioni multi, please, hoi, pay attention, tzion, run towards Zion, Yoshevet bas those of you who live in Babylon, clearly stating that the Eretz Tzafon was Babylon, like we said before. Come, come, come to the land of Israel. Come, settle it. Jerusalem needs to grow, needs to grow, needs to grow. Unfortunately, we know from history that only small numbers actually did come. So many people did not heed this message. So many stayed where they were in the exile and didn't come help build the second temple. But God is calling to the people to come. This is the message. The message is that it's up to us to do it. It's up to us to bring the, the redemption. God needs us to come. He needs us to show up. Because so says the Lord God, the God of hosts, This is a very difficult phrase to translate. But means after honor, He has sent me. It's hard to know who is He, who is sending. I mean, it seems that God is saying, right, that he has sent me, which would be the people of Israel has sent me, because of honor. There's a lot, the Talmud discusses this phrase, but, but translating it the way I translate it just now it leaves a lot of difficulties. So it may mean that, um, it's, it's some try to interpret it as meaning that the prophet was sent, but when we see the context of the rest of the verse, it's clearly talking about God himself. So the way the way I understand this, and I think the simplest reading of this verse is Achar Kavod, it is because of honor that Shilochani, that he, the people of Israel, has sent me. In other words, El Hagoyim Hasholim Eschem, to those nations that have despoiled you, those nations that are causing you suffering. In other words, I am now being sent, God is saying, to those lands where you are in exile because of the honor. Because of whose honor? Because of my honor. Because of the honor of God and because of the honor of the people of Judea. And we're going to understand this more and more as we continue reading God's words. Because you have been abused and that is my honor that is being abused. If someone touches and makes you suffer, God says, makes you, the Jewish people, suffer, no, it's as if he is poking himself in the eye. Vavase no is touching your eyeball. That's kind of thing. People generally don't do that because it's uncomfortable, it's painful. It's things people don't do to themselves because they don't make themselves suffer. But someone who tortures, someone who abuses the, the Jewish people in their midst when they are in exile is as if he's making himself suffer. I can't help but think about uh, the, what happens in, in almost every anti-Semitic um, 
uh, uh, suffering that has been uh, perpetrated upon and against the Jewish people, most classically the Germans in World War II, that by persecuting their Jews, they made themselves suffer. They lost so many scientists, so many wonderful citizens, so many people who could have been such a help to build and may help Germany prosper, but instead they chose to hate, they chose to, to torture, they chose to kill, they chose to murder. And they, and they, but what they were actually doing was not just hurting the people, the Jewish people, which is obvious, but they were also hurting themselves. And this is true every single case of anti-Semitism when a country people turn against its own, the, the, the Jewish people among their midst, they're making themselves suffer. That country itself is making itself suffer. And the truth is that it's not just with Jewish people, it's true about all oppression. When we oppress the people that are among us, we make ourselves suffer. Obviously, we should never oppress anyone because it's wrong on so many levels. But even if we were being selfish, we shouldn't oppress them. By giving people resources, by helping people, giving them a helping hand, everyone, every single person, then we all benefit from what every single person has to offer. When we oppress marginalized groups in, among us, we are touch, We are as if we are making ourselves suffer. This is what God's saying. And what do I do when people do that? I am going to wave my hand against them. Those that they enslaved, they are going to become booty to them. Those that they enslaved are going to eventually take over and make the oppressors suffer. Those that they enslaved are going to be the source of, of suffering for those who tried to enslave them. That kind of justice, then you will know that I am God. I am the God who has sent me. This is sounds like God is saying, it is me that sent myself. And that would be my interpretation of this verse and last verse when it says, and Hashem it means that God is saying, I sent myself because I went to avenge my honor. This is... Um, and, and not the end of chapter 2. However, I'm going to stop here because the beginning starts a new section uh, which we'll, I'm going to read as 2b and I'm going to read into 3 because in the, the way the Jewish tradition breaks up the chapters, this is really the end and the next one, uh, it does continue on a theme but it also starts a new theme which we're going to be familiar with um, from the... Uh, uh, Shabbat liturgy and 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 from the Haftorah, which we're, we'll understand when I do the next one. So this is um, Zechariah two a. Thank you so much for paying attention and for studying together with me uh, the book of Zechariah so far. Looking forward to studying further and and of course the entire book of Zechariah and beyond. Have a wonderful day.